Money FM 89.3, the best of Saturday mornings. Welcome back. Time for our international news review. Steve Oaken is joining us, a senior advisor at McClarty Associates from Los Angeles, the city of angels. Hey, Steve, welcome. Great to, to be on my way back to Singapore with one last night in Los Angeles after a couple of weeks in New York. Sweet. And, and I, I think, say, Neil, great shirt, you should great know this shirt. T-shirt. Yes. You have to know this T-shirt. It's the John Lennon classic shirt. He was photographed famously around Manhattan wearing the very New York City shirt that Steve Oaken is wearing. In fact, they well, now sell dolls. Not the very shirt that he's wearing, but a shirt that looked like it. They would be worth $6 million if it was. <laughs> they actually sell John Lennon dolls of him in that T-shirt. All right, Neil. What what album was the promotion for this oh, show? No, oh, I don't know. I don't good. know that one. I'm, oh, hang on. No, there, is it the album that has the title New York City in it? And I forgot. It's, the, it's, wall, it's Walls, Walls and Bridges. Bridges. I think it's the, oh, one okay. a, it's the one after that one. Every one after that one. Great shirt, though. And, and, I, and, and I did my pilgrimage. I try every time I'm in New York to go to, to Strawberry Fields and the Imagine Mosaic in Central Park, which is right across the street from the Dakota where – John yeah, Lennon famously killed. lived and, of course, yeah. was, was, was died. And uh, yeah. so always moving to, to go there. And, and, uh, and so did my wearing my John Lennon shirt for that. Uh, as do I. Absolutely stuff. fabulous. And it must be a bit of a palate cleanser because New York at the moment is associated with Donald Trump. So after Donald <laughs> Trump, you do a little bit of palate cleansing <laughs> with Mr. John Lennon. Uh, okay, let's uh, let's get right into it because we got a lot to talk about, Steve. This week, the indictment finally came down. Uh, the former president was arrested, fingerprinted, booked, and we finally heard about all of the 34 charges, all of which he pled not guilty to. Uh, where do we stand now several days in after this momentous, groundbreaking event in American life and American political life? Well, whatever happens next, and no one knows what's going to happen next because we're truly in uncharted territory. So regardless of what happens, Trump's arrest sends a very powerful message that no one is above the law, democracy depends on the rule of law, and that we have a criminal justice system in our country that applies to everyone, regardless of if you are a former president currently running for president. So that's the message that gets sent. The other side, of course, is saying, well, this is the weaponization of the political of the of the judicial system for political means. So so it is still very much being debated, but a strong message has, has been sent. And now let's see what happens. Next. But it may not even be this particular case, Steve, that causes him serious problems. Well, this doesn't go to trial, I believe, until the end of the year or early 2024. Well, it depends on how, how many continuances they ask for right. and all that, right? And so, before that, Steve, he may have other cases to deal with, won't he? The insurrection being the most obvious, but there are others as well. Yeah, I mean, this is probably the first of four indictments. So he will be able to fundraise four fake mugshots, not just you know, <laughs> not just this one, but but three more to come. And in some ways, look, the other cases are, are, are more serious yes. because this case is 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 not necessarily about democracy. It's about sex. And did he have sex with a Playboy model? And did he have sex with a porn star? And why did he pay them off? And did he try and cover this up because he didn't want Melania to know? Or did he cover this up because he was trying to win the presidency? That's 
it's a serious violation of law, but not nearly as serious is what he has done in other places, which which led to the insurrection that occurred on January 6th, which he could be held liable for, which led to him trying to have an, a, an election that he lost overturned in the state of Georgia, much more serious from a constitutional perspective. So much more serious things from a governance perspective. But this one is serious, too. Steve, uh, his supporters, a pretty wide swath of supporters, even Republicans who don't like him and have stood up against him in recent years, have pretty much all come out in support of him saying this is politically motivated, et cetera, et cetera. Do they have any kind of ground to stand on with that this is politically motivated? I think I know what you're going to say, but I got to answer. Well, the, I got to ask the question because a lot of people yeah, feel that this well, is, uh, you know, the timing of this is, is just to add, even Mitt Romney has come yeah, out. And, it was one of his biggest, especially Mitt Romney, exactly, right? yeah. voted for him to be impeached and still came out and supported him. Well, the, the timing is it has to be now because we do have a rule in the United States, not a law, but we have a rule of practice that a sitting president cannot get indicted because we have an impeachment process that is supposed to punish a president, not the, the legal and judicial system. Right. So if he so he could only get indicted after he left office. So that's why the timing is now. Now, this case in particular, where where Republicans and I think certainly some independents, maybe even a couple of Democrats are saying, well, you know what, this case is novel in getting it to a felony because the underlying crime here, falsifying business records, which certainly occurred. I mean, and, and Michael Cohn's been convicted for that. It, it has occurred in New York. So he falsified business records to cover up the hush money payments that went to the porn star and the Playboy model. What makes it a felony is tying the falsified business records to uh, concealing another crime. Mm. And in this case, that other crime is either a tax crime or a violation of state or federal law when it comes to campaign finance. That's what makes this a bit novel. And what people are saying is that because this has never occurred in the history of the United States, a former president being indicted, while he did violate the law here, possibly this isn't the one that should go first to set the precedent. That's the debate. I just wanted to add one little thing about Melania Trump, only mm. because I find her silence very interesting. Because I read your commentary that you wrote. It was published this morning. It's online. And you mentioned the independent women's vote, the Republican women's vote. Can't be underestimated moving forward. Where does Melania Trump fit into this, her silence, and just how he hangs on to that Republican female yeah. vote? Not being with him in court, not exactly. standing with him, all that, yeah. And, and and that's why this political it, it politically is important to the to, to to Trump's campaign because when this goes to trial and Neil as you said this doesn't going to go to trial until January if it does go to trial but mm -hmm. if it goes to trial it's going to be in January right in the heart of Republican primary season you're going to see you know Stormy Daniels the the adult actress um, testifying. She had an affair with him, which is why she got paid. You're going to see a former Playboy model, the runner up of the 1990s Playboy model. Um, is she's going to be testifying that she had a long time affair with the former president and she got paid to, to, to keep quiet um, about it. Evangelical voters are not going to like that. Mm. Uh, independent women Republican women are not going to like that. It would be helpful if his wife were there saying, I believe my husband when he says this didn't happen. I have faith in him. Yet 
She wasn't at the arraignment. She hasn't said anything in his defense. And when the former president was talking at his indictment party at Mar-a-Lago, he mentioned his son, Don Jr. He mentioned his son, Eric. He mentioned his daughter, Ivanka. He mentioned his son, Baron. He said he was very tall and smart. And he didn't mention Melania. He didn't mention Melania. So that she is there. That is a political. It has nothing to do whether a jury is going to find him guilty or not. But it does matter in the politics of this. And this is why we are in such unchartered territory Mm. of trying to predict, is this going to help him or hurt him with his Republican base and in a general election? Well, just to just to be very clear, uh, the former president has denied ever having an affair with either of these women. He has denied the hush you know, payments. He has denied uh, and said he is innocent of all 34 of the current charges uh, and is standing by that. Okay, let's move forward. Uh, Singapore Airlines was in the news today, uh, this week, for a very interesting reason. They are serving their food in paper containers uh, and in in a way, and and paper cups for the coffee and things like that. Paper serviceware. Paper serviceware. They're calling it. And many of you may have seen this story. And passengers who are saying, you know, hey, this is a premium airline. Some passengers, um, you know, they yes, they could be sustainable and should be sustainable. But hey, what's the deal here? We're paying top dollar for these uh, these these tickets, and we're getting. Paperware. And just to add to that, Steve, someone <laughs> almost, and I love the use of the word almost, <laughs> spilled hot laxa onto herself. But only almost. almost. Only almost. <laughs> Serious stuff, Steve. A near a near laxa accident. A near incident. So, okay, in the world of ESG, in the world of sustainability, is Singapore Airlines doing the right thing? Singapore Airlines is doing the right thing. Good we man. We are not going to save the planet if we are going to say we are willing to make no sacrifices for service, for products when it comes to their environmental impact. And what Singapore Airlines is doing is saying we are going to have the most sustainable product we can have in terms of of service wear. Um, And it's going to cost us money. Is it going to be as good as fine China? Of course it's not. And you know what? Consumers will accept this um, if they are taught about it the right way and if others do the right things. And so, you know, are we going to say, eh, you know, I, I, I really don't mind that the sea, la- sea, sea rise is going to flood Singapore and put it underwater because I don't want to spill laxa on myself when I'm flying Singapore Airlines. Of course, people aren't, aren't going to say that. And yeah, maybe a person or two are, are going to complain. But when it comes to ESG, we're going to have to figure out what is that balance between saving the planet, saving workers, saving governments versus versus personal luxury. Steve, I'm not sure if this paper stuff was used in business class and first no, class No, it was economy well. and premium economy. It was only economy and premium economy. Okay, so before I guess – my point was going to be like in business class, first class, they use proper china, which they can just wash and use again, which is better than filling the landfills with paper, right? Um, and this paper is waxed on one side, so if memory serves me correctly, it cannot be recycled, uh, like those coffee cups that you get from the coffee shops. If they're waxed on one side, even though they're paper on the outside, you can't recycle them because they have that coating on them. And in so, fairness to the airline, it's actually costing them more 
than the traditional service so wear. Versus the pa- the plastic yeah, it's wear, actually right? Cost- so they're not doing this as a as a money-saving yeah. device. They're using it as a planet-saving device, well, hopefully, Steve. Yeah. And also, just to add to that, Steve, I'm actually pleased this story has come out because it just shows you when you're dealing with ESG, when you're dealing with climate change issues, the kind of entitlement and the kind of backlash that we really are up against here, Steve. Well, look, and, 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 and where... We have complaints, right, saying, well, we have to treat everybody the same, whether they are in economy versus where they, whether they are in business class. Of course, you treat people differently. People are going to pay more money for business class than they are for economy. And that is what helps make the airlines profitable. It also is, is what helps airlines have lower costs when it comes to those economy fares, because it's the business fares that are that are driving the profit. Now, when it comes mm. to sustainability, you're going to have to have some, some sustainability in both places. We are in a trial period here where Singapore Airlines is saying we serve many more meals in economy. It makes sense for us to look to be more sustainable when we have so many more people we're serving in economy. And then let's get to business class and figure it out. We can't change everything all at once. So let's do this in a phased approach. And we're going to do a test in economy and a premium economy first, because that's where we have the, the most environmental impact. Of course, this makes perfect sense. And so you, you cannot be throwing all of these class issues at Singapore Airlines when they are trying to do the right things. We should be applauding Singapore Airlines for saying, how can we be more sustainable? That is what ESG is about. And and over and over again, people will say, you know what, I want to save the rainforest in Indonesia. But if it's going to cost three more cents for my chocolate bar, I'm not going to pay it. And, and we've got to figure out a way to get behind, behind this. All right. We will see where this goes from here and what uh, – I haven't seen any response from Singapore Airlines on this yet, but I'm going to be looking for that as well. Mm. All right. Moving on. Our last story. The Business and Human Rights Resource Center has tracked nearly 200 cases of alleged labor and human rights abuses against at least 104,000 garment workers in Myanmar since the junta took over uh, the military uh, – take over two years ago. Now, Western manufacturers of garments are being taken to task because they are allegedly using some of these workers. What what, what do we know about this? And it, it certainly is not an uncommon story, sadly, um, that we have, we have known about here in Southeast Asia. Okay. Why are there garment factories in Myanmar? It's because the current minimum wage in Myanmar is $1.68 a day. Okay, so why why are our garment factories there? It's because people want to pay as, as little money as they can right. for their shirts, maximize for their the profits. Yep, yep. It, it's the same. Look, and it's the same thing, you know, that, that you see with, you know, the, the the Singapore Airlines, and you see the complaints against Singapore Airlines. Think, oh, well, it'll it's costing us too much money. Therefore, we we shouldn't have to trade off sustainability for service. Well, you do have some trade-offs and you're going to have some trade-offs. If you're going to have the right labor protections for people in Myanmar, you're going to have to pay a little bit more. But yet that is not what consumers seem to be willing to do. So then that's not what the factory workers receive. And then the brands like H&M, who and Zara and other companies get found to be sourcing from factories where the human rights aren't protected. And what's happened with the junta's takeover in Myanmar is that there's less and less opportunity to go in 
and do your ESG diligence, check your supply chains, make sure the workers are getting a fair wage, make sure they're in safe conditions, make sure they're getting paid over time, make sure um, that, that they're not being abused physically, sexually, or the like. And yet that's not being done. And so what this what, what this study has found is that there's violation after violation after violation after the junta has come in mm-hmm. and is calling for change. And now the, the really interesting question, though, is do you pull out? And if you pull out, does that hurt the workers even worse? Or do you stay and try mm-hmm. and engage? But how can you possibly engage with the junta? So it really isn't an easy answer here. But mm-hmm. we just know that the workers are, are getting abused and it's being done because people want to pay less for their shirts and trousers and shoes. Mm. And that's the key point, Steve, isn't it? And it ties back nicely with the SIA story, which is, OK, unless there's a collective agreement at intergovernment level, the man on the street just says, OK, if this retail store is no longer building or supplying their stuff from Myanmar and is therefore increasing their cost of their goods by 2 or $3, I'll go to somewhere that still is exploiting workers and laws and so on and so on to get my garments for $2 cheaper. Unless there is a widespread collective agreement at intergovernment level, how is this really going to change? Well, and, and what you can change it in, in certain governments because you can have businesses going in and saying we have to have you have to meet these standards. And it's typically there's a, you know, the ILO, International Labor Organization, says right. standards yeah. that, 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 that people have to meet. Now, obviously, wages are going to be different from country to country, but there's certain standards that should be met. The problem is, how do you do this in Myanmar right now? When there is when there is a civil war going on, when you have a, a you know a military dictatorship that will put union organizers or put people who are looking at the treatment of workers into jail or worse if they start digging in, and so this is where the the labor organizations are saying we have to have responsible exits because you can't be responsible in Myanmar right now. And then you have on the other hand people saying, but if you pull out, what's going to happen? A dollar sixty eight is better than nothing. And now we're going to get nothing. So what's going to happen? So it's a real tragedy what's happening in Myanmar, which is why ASEAN, as you mentioned, Neil, ASEAN has to step up, meet this five point Mm. plan and get Mm. the get Mm. the solution there, because this one might be a little bit too hard for businesses to deal with. Yeah. Steve, it's uh, intractable. And and Neil's I mean, Neil, your point is a great one. But the reality of that ever happening, oof. Hard. And just to add to that briefly, Steve, I mean, I was back in the UK as you're in the US at the moment. Myanmar just doesn't track anymore. No, it no. doesn't make news anywhere. It's Trump, Trump, Stormy Daniels, Stormy yeah. Daniels. Barely makes news in Asia. Titillating. Barely makes <laughs> yeah. news. That's the real yeah. issue here, Steve, isn't it? It's fallen off. I mean, we try and week in, week out, we try and keep the awareness there. But generally speaking, it's fallen off the news radar. Yeah. Thank you. We will see you back here in studio next week, right? In person, the three of us together again for the first time in about a month, I think. It's just a beautiful, beautiful notion, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) All right, Steve, thanks so much for joining us. Safe travels back. We'll see you soon. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.